I personally would like to welcome every single listener to the first and inaugural episode of the Canoe Set Podcast, a brand new podcast covering your Los Angeles canoes. Joseph, how the hell are you, buddy? I'm doing great. You know, uh, (laughs) the canoes had an impressive week. Uh, We had two full canoe games since our last episode. Stop Um, the count. What's up? I said stop the count. Stop the count. Yeah, one one incredible victory against the Heat where everybody just kept waiting for them to lose and then they didn't. Uh, And then one incredible game against the Jazz where they did, in fact, eventually lose. But they... they, Hung pretty tough with with the Jazz through three quarters. Um, two and a half, two and a half quarters. Defense, a lot of um, you know, a lot of energy, a lot of intensity. It was great. It was really, it was like, I don't know, watching those scrappy teams that weren't very good. And what was the year before? It was seventeen eighteen when it was like Austin Rivers and Ty Wallace were like the Clippers stars down the stretch yeah. of that season. Um, it felt it felt like that, which was a good time. Uh, Doc ruined that season by making us miss the playoffs but you know it was it was fun watching them compete um yeah there so there were four games since the last time we recorded right so there was the game against the Cavs, 111 128 clippers win uh sorry canoes win no no the clippers win everybody played against the Cavs. Mm, you're right you're right paul george was eight for nine i blocked out that that's i blocked out that the other LA team. I don't pay attention to the other LA team. I'm only a Canoes fan. And then there was the game versus the Heat. Uh, I wrote 1018 in the doc here, but clearly I meant 118 to 125. Uh, Canoes All Stars W. Yeah. Uh, and then versus the Jazz, 11496 L Canoes. We'll move on. Second game against the Jazz. The other L.A. team, the Los Angeles Clippers, showed up to this game. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody was available. Uh, and they put 116-112, which is a much closer score than what the game actually felt like. Mm-hmm. There was that, like, the last minute of the game was, um, I think my face might still be imprinted in my palm uh, as I was watching the last minute of that game, which actually lasted six hours. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I guess we'll start... Let me start here before I know what's coming, okay? I'm going to start by saying, I think a couple episodes ago, it might have been the Greif episode, I was kind of, you know, saying that I, I didn't feel like the Clippers maybe had a kind of marquee win yet on the season, because uh, I wasn't counting opening night, because that's always kind of a, a gamble, crapshoot, anything can happen opening night. Um, you know, Christmas Denver game doesn't look that great anymore. Right. Uh, this was huge, though, for me like this, this like it. But it's funny because it's almost I can't quite stamp it yet because Sunday's game is on the horizon. The Nets are like right there. Mm-hmm. And it's like if that's that could be the game. Right. right. Um, but it's big. I mean, it's the number one team in the West, number one team in the league. The, they've been red hot, uh, whatever it is, 19 of 20 games that they've won. Uh, they did it without Conley for a stretch. Uh, you know, that that was the the second jazz game was also Conley's. Uh, you know, return game as well because he had been out. Um, but yeah, it feels like the last minute kind of spoiled it a little bit. 
But in the end, they pulled out a win. And, and to me, that's a marquee win. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that, you know, there's a lot of people that are calling um, the Jazz frauds right now, which will take us to the next segment, which on the dock, it just says Joseph running around for an hour laughing. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to give you the floor to take your victory lap okay. uh, around the Utah Jazz. Uh, Joseph, take it away, my man. So I'm going to I'm going to couch this a little bit on the front end. Um, I, I cannot be held. This isn't on the record. Okay. In terms of like, I can't be held in court. Like I can't be tried for this. All right. But here's, here's the deal. Who's making these rules up, dude. Me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I feel like it was our best win of the season. I think if you look at it in terms of like marquee on paper right it was the most hyped whatever that we had other than the like the nets game um but it still didn't really feel like a marquee win to me for a couple reasons number one while i think that the score was closer than the game it didn't really feel like the clippers like put their foot on the jazz it just kind of felt like they had a good game and they beat a team they were better than like that's what it felt like it didn't feel like you know some throttling or anything like that I think part of that is probably because it was the first time we had been healthy in a very long time. Um, And so it didn't feel like a marquee win that way. And it also didn't feel like a marquee win because I don't think the Jazz are a marquee team. I just don't. Um, I've I've said this on Twitter in a number of ways, but this this run, this like 19 out of 20, this is something they've done four years in a row. The last three years they had... Um, a 19 and two stretch, a one and 13 stretch, and then another like 10 and one stretch later in the season. Um, and then a, a year before that, they had another, you know, 19 wins out of 22 games or something like that. Um, they do this every year. They've won one first round playoff series in those four years. Now, we don't know what's going to happen this year, but basically you look at the roster. It's like the same. They keep running out the same two stars that still have the same problems in the playoffs because they have, you know, some deficiencies. And if if you really look at the team, they might have five guys that you can think about in terms of like a real staunch playoff contender. Gobert, Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, right? Those are five guys that you can be like, okay, that you can count on those guys in a playoff game. Their next three, because you need at least eight guys, right, in a playoff, in a playoff run, are Clarkson, Royce O'Neal, and Derek Favors. Does that do those three names strike fear in your heart? Like, do you sit there and, and worry about them? No, but I will say this. Clarkson has actually had a really good season so far. Um, he's, every time I think he's he the shoots front- the ball is a victory. I understand what you're going to say, but every time he shoots the ball is a victory. And That's he fine. loves to and shoot like, the ball. And he's he's the quintessential. It's it's like a J.R. Smith or or one of those guys where it's like when they get hot, there like, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, and we saw even a, a mini stretch of that, I think, in the third quarter uh, yeah. in the the Clippers game. But you know, there's that right. Uh, Royce O'Neal defensively, I think, adds some value for them. Um, and Derek Favors, since he came back to Utah, has looked pretty nice, man. Like he's he's worked really well for them. As they're that, big off the bench. That's so. fine. Again, very good team. Very good team. Very good regular season team. Do those three guys strike fear in your heart when you think about a playoff series? 
Derek Favors, does he strike fear in your heart? Do you do you sit up at night going, how are we going to deal with Derek Favors? <laughs> no, Jordan no. Clarkson only because he plays against our uh, second unit guards. That would be the yeah. only thing that worries me, um, which I will real quick just give Lou another pat on the back because we've done it, I think, the last couple episodes. His defensive effort has been great. Yeah, it really has. Um, I, I hope that it continues. I have this feeling that it'll continue. We can kind of get into this in hot take, not take. But here's here's my last thing about it, okay? They've got eight guys, maybe, and the last three out of those eight are kind of toss-ups in any given playoff game, right? And there's there's two guys in there that you can attack defensively in Bogdanovich and Clarkson. And Mitchell isn't some great defender either. So, like, there's, there's going to be matchups that the Clippers can hunt. Whatever. Just... When, when you really think about this and, and the other playoff teams in the West, right, they only have the best player on the floor against maybe three playoff hopeful teams, San Antonio, New Orleans, and the Kings. Every other playoff hopeful in the West, they have either the second best player on the floor or the third best player on the floor. And the majority of them, I'd say they have the third best player on the floor. And the playoffs, that shit really matters. And I think that the crowning... Okay, so look, one game, a series does not make. Okay, this does not definitively make the Clippers better or makes it so that they're going to win in a playoff series. But I think that what you watched is a bit of the issues, right, that they're going to kind of come up against is that when there's more star talent on the floor on the other team and their role players play good games... There's not much that they're going to be able to do to kind of rise above because their sum isn't going to be as great as, you know, the sum of these other teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, and even against the Warriors, they're going to have the third best player against the Blazers. They're going to have the third best player against Phoenix. They're going to have the third best player. Now they can win some of those other series, but I just think that we need to pump the brakes on the jazz a little bit. Yeah. For me, it's Quinn Snyder is part of it because I do think Quinn Snyder is a good coach and, and can get the most out of his guys. And make adjustments in in a playoff series, right? Like that's, I think that is a big threat. He's won Um, one. And part of that is is one. Same core. He blew a 3-1 lead last year with this team. Yeah, against the same team that the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead. The team that probably benefited from the, the bubble situation more than any other team in the league. Right, I hear you. But they don't get the same flack that the Clippers do about blowing a 3-1 lead in the bubble. It's it's held against yeah. the Clippers. It's not held against the Jazz. So let's let's just let's talk about you know things in reality for a little bit. Okay, they're okay. very good, um, very very good. And there is a there is definitely a possibility where they could you know make a run and get hot. Same time, when you look at things historically, they just if they're not going to have the best player on the floor all the time, it's kind of hard to win a playoff series. All right. I'm a little higher on them than you are, but I hear what you're saying. Very uh, good. I do I need just, to point out. Go ahead. I just need to point out unrelated. Uh, the Cavs game was a canoes game. No, Paul George starting, played in that Cavs game. The st- You're telling me Paul George was out. He played last Sunday that he was only out less than a week. That's not true. The starting five was Lou Williams, Reggie Jackson, Batum, Ibaka, and Beverly. That was the starting That's right. five. You're the Cavs so game. right. I'm thinking about the other Cavs game because that was the last game that Paul George played in was in Cleveland. 
That's my bad. Yeah, like and and I'm it was you know Shamit against San Antonio. I think Shamit had that like huge fourth quarter. <laughs> I've been <laughs> and waiting. You were at the Miami game. <laughs> I've been. You waiting were at the Miami game. And... The game. I've been waiting for it. <laughs> okay. All right. This this is. Let's stop talking about the jazz. Um, yeah. Let's let's go into hot take, not take, real quick. Okay, real quick. I do I do feel like we should just shine some light for uh, the listeners that haven't been with us since last season. Um, the canoes. Who the yeah. hell are the canoes? We've referenced them several times here to open the show. Um, Joseph, I'll let you explain who the Los Angeles canoes are. So the canoes are the moniker that I gave anytime the Clippers are shorthanded. So anytime they're missing both of their stars, they're the canoes. Uh, this happened last year, um, I believe, in the bubble. Um, it might have been in the bubble. It might have been before that. I can't remember. But anytime neither star is playing, it's the canoes. Why a canoe? Well, I don't know if you know this, ladies and gentlemen, but a clipper is a very large, very nice ship. Okay? Can can traverse an ocean. Okay? A canoe is not. It's got to work real hard to get across a lake, okay? It's not It's not like the peak of shipbuilding. Um, and so that's why they're the canoes. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to take a little bit more to get where you need to go when you're using a canoe. <laughs> All right, well, I, we appreciate the breakdown there. Uh, I want you to start hot take, not take this week. So give me your hot take. Okay, so um, for anybody wondering why we're not doing most positive thing, most negative thing, um, it was a majority canoe week. We enjoy the canoes, but it kind of makes it hard to like break down the nitty gritty stuff when you're not at full health. So, um, we figured it's more fun to just go into hot take, not take, cause we're going to cover some of the things we liked and didn't like from this week later. Cause we have a whole fuck ton of listener questions to get to. So that's going to take up the majority of the episode. Um, my hot take is that the Clippers cannot win a championship without both Lou and Pat. Okay. Okay, for the uh, scoring off the the scoring and ball handling off the bench and the uh, what the catch and shoot um, efficiency and the defense on the starting unit. Yeah, I think I think that there is no one that can replace. So you'd have to to put both of them together to get a player that could really only replace one of them. Um, Right. And and that's the problem is you is you open a hole on the back end and Lou Williams is back, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Um, I am tired. Uh, I hope all of you send me a handwritten apology. Okay. I would like a handwritten apology. You can take a picture of it and just send it to me on Twitter saying you're sorry for trying to ship Lou Williams out of uh, Los Angeles. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm, you might need to repeat that because I blacked out after you said you open a hole on the back end. <laughs> That's totally fair. Um, <laughs> one of my favorite things to do. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, anyway, I think the, the clip, you know, I think it was Lucas Hahn. Shout out, Lucas. I say your name on this podcast all the time on Twitter. Who said the Clippers need to have one of Paul George and Lou, or Lou Williams on the floor at all times. And it's true because I agree when, when one of them is not on the floor, that ball movement, you know, ballet that the Clippers, you know, are so good at kind of goes away because they don't have somebody who can really initiate it. And so. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that they they need the creativity that Lou Williams brings, um, not just like a 
he could bring the ball up the floor and get the offense started. But there's there's a creativity, there's a there's a, like a chaos to the Williams that I don't think that they can replace with like a, a George Hill or something, you know. Um, and he makes it a little bit more difficult to game plan for the Clippers come playoff time. Um, I think his role is going to reduce, but I think that we need him for those 15 to 18 minutes a night for sure. Yeah, and he's really kind of proven that uh, the last couple weeks, few weeks really, uh, in keeping that defensive effort up that we've been talking about, but then returning back to form of the Lou Will that we all know, going to his left, hitting those like tough mid-range shots, um, and and yeah, really just kind of torching second units, which he's been fantastic at lately. Yeah. So what's what's your hot take? Uh, no, I want to hear your not take, and then I'll get to mine. Okay. All right. So my not take is that um, Terrence Mann, for all of the effusive praise that we've given him recently, um, is a dog days of the regular season player right now. I think watching him in that jazz game, I think he played a little bit in Brooklyn too, if I remember correctly. Um, it was either him or Shaman. I can't remember. So it was, <laughs> sorry, you didn't even laugh at that one. I tried to make your <laughs> Shaman joke. Anyway, so um, I think that you just watch him against good teams and you see what his liability is, right? right. They totally ignored him offensively. Totally and completely ignored him offensively. And he is a fine, okay defender, but he's not some elite defensive player. And so they're gonna they're gonna attack him on both ends. And you cannot have someone on like that on the floor at all um against good teams who are playing you like it's a playoff game. He, he's not gonna be in the playoff rotation right now, barring some, you know, market improvement that continues. Um, you saw some of his value. You know, when he grabbed that offensive rebound and then put it back in, you know, in the early fourth quarter um, to kind of stave off a jazz, you know, run. But I mean, anything more than like five minutes of Terrence Mann in, in one of these big games or in the playoffs is, is really going to be an issue. So I yeah. think that he's a good he's like he's like Trez, right? He's like guard Trez. Um, this is what I've been that, saying, man. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to, you know, give you that punch in a game where no one gives a shit um, and will, you know, kind of fire everybody up. But that's really his, his ceiling right now is just like, okay, whatever, you know, like Pat Pat last year, remember Pat Pat, like things would be really bad. And then doc would pull his Oh shit lever. And that Oh shit lever was like, let's let Pat Pat play for three minutes and hit, you know, two threes and have everybody lose their fucking minds. Cause you know, creaky Pat Pat got out there and, and made a bucket. Um, this, I mean, that's why, that's why most, like he is. Most good teams have this guy, right? Like I immediately mm-hmm. think to the Warriors run and they had Pat McCaw for a season, right? They had uh, uh, Quinn Cook that would like come out and like hit like three threes in a game and it would be like, oh shit. And people would be like, damn, they're so deep. You know what I mean? And like yeah. it's uh, it could be uh, I can't. He was a power forward. Jordan. Um, anyways, they, they ran through a number of these guys. Jordan Bell. There we go. Thank you. Um, they ran through a number of these guys and that's exactly what it is. Like for me, it's like, yeah, like, like I've, you know, once I realized it, it clicked for me. I was like, oh, he is the Trez guy. Like he's that guy who's going to play game 35. Like it's game 72. You know what I mean? Right. Or like it's game 82 in a regular season. Um, and, and so 
that's super useful because the other guys that have been here for a while that have gone through a bunch of these seasons understand that they're in the dog days aren't going to get up for it and he's going to bring that but it's also it's not just the energy he's shown you know his rebounding is like truly like it, it's good he's a really good rebounder i like where he is on that I, you know i you know i like the kind of like dog mentality that he has that it's like oh the clippers have a project here and like yeah. that's fun like that's fun to see that like oh there is you know they they talked a lot that the front office and ty talked a lot in the offseason about like you know we want to put focus on um, not only like when now, but also development in players because that what was that's what was lacking. And right. I think it took a little bit of time, and and I definitely jumped the gun on it to start the season. Um, but it looks like it's starting to come together, and they are developing these guys, and that's awesome. That's amazing, especially for a team that you know doesn't have consecutive first round picks for a long time, and uh, you know all of these different things. Like it's like wow, they might have some talent there that can carry them in a couple of years. You know, I'm not saying that he's a superstar, but it's like there's role players, you know, in the garden right, right. now, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I agree with that for sure. Now I want to say like one, one last thing on this. He is nowhere near as talented as Montrez Harrell. Okay. So like he is not yeah, a guy who should course. be playing 20 minutes, you know, right now, but five minutes here and there, you know, Hey, you know, go out there and, and shake things up. He has proven that he can do that and do that effectively. Um, and so hopefully, you know, he rounds out his game like you're talking about, and he's able to sort of carve himself out as a 15 minute a night player. Um, but just right now, I think we, we are, we need to realize his limitations and talk about him in his totality, right? Like he's good at some things. He is not someone that should be playing a lot right now. Totally. Totally. Um, all right. So I've got a few hot takes here. Okay, I'm ready. and I'm gonna throw them at you, and I want to know which hot take you wanna you wanna kind of go at. All right. Okay. Okay. So, in in no particular order here. One, the Canoes could win a first round series right now. That would be against the Spurs if we stop the season. I think the Canoes could win that series in seven. Uh, two, Amir Coffey might be a more useful role player than Luke Kennard. Three, the Jazz are winning it all because Joseph said so. Four, and this is the biggest one. How you darn is the kiss of death for the rest of the league. Wow. These are all very good. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm so impressed by you. You've learned so much uh, <laughs> in these, in these short few weeks. Let's, let's get into the canoes beating the Spurs in a first round series. I think that's really <laughs> like when I really break it down, that is the hottest take you said. It is. It, it, it for sure is. Um, and by the way, the how, how you darn thing, that's uh, a joke, that, a running joke that we have with a friend of the pod, Justin Russo. It's how he starts every media question. Um, and I've started tallying the uh, the Clippers uh, record in the, the games where he starts his media question with that phrase. A um, rare, a rare how you darn loss in the first game against the Jazz. Now, he didn't start, hey, Ty, how you darn. It was, hey, Ty. And then Ty said, Hi, how you doing? And then, you know, I, so we got to we got to differentiate. It's got to start but, with, hey, how you doing? Well, he also started his question with that at shoot around that morning. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if they like cancel each other out. Yeah, yeah, they canceled each other out. Mm -hmm. Like it was the whole like, you know, Prince like figured out how to balance uh, speakers so that he wouldn't have to wear microphones and the sound would cancel itself out before it hit the uh, 
the or so he wouldn't have to wear headphones and the sound would cancel each other out before they hit the microphone so that he could listen to the music on speakers while he was recording vocals because the headphones messed up his hair. I think it's something kind of like that. What, what an incredible deep cut that you just so, put on this podcast. <laughs> so I'll tell you this. The Canoes winning a first round series right now, it would be the Spurs. Um, I put that up because I was like, this is hilarious. Uh, I like this hot take. And then I was like, I'm going to prove this. I'm going to go into the numbers and break it down versus, you know, the Spurs advanced stats right now as a team and lineups versus the Canoes lineup numbers. And um, not a fucking chance in hell. That's why it's a hot take. The The Canoes advanced numbers are awful. They're so bad. I was looking at them and I was like, I can't believe they won two games. <laughs> I could not believe it. Three. The Canoes have won three, three. games. <laughs> three games, right. They've beat the yeah. Heat twice. I just, I was shocked when I looked at the numbers. Like, I'm talking about, like, some of those lineups had, like, an obviously very small sample size. Um but some of those lineups have like a negative 40 net rating. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, it's it's, it's true. pretty rough. It's, it's pretty rough when I think a lot of that has to do with the second half of the jazz game. Um, right. But yeah, uh, it would be so much fun to to watch that. It actually wouldn't be any fun at all. I'm lying. It would be the worst series <laughs> we'd ever watched. But it would be interesting to see your theory, you know play out in like a, in a tournament somewhere else not in the real i mean playoffs. we would we would finally get the matchup everybody wants it's reggie jackson versus Dejounte murray it's what we all have been begging for this whole time it, it wouldn't even be on nba tv they would put it on like <laughs> true tv or <laughs> discovery id yeah exactly. investigative discovery yeah <laughs> it'd be so bad okay all right what is your not take Uh, My not take is that this is not the same team as last year. And what I mean when I say that is that this team has, you know, we're we're 31, 32 something games into the season right now. Uh, Truly the dog days, as we keep calling it. Um, This team is playing with cohesion. There's excitement around the players, uh, even in the losses. And that didn't exist last year. Like, yeah, we have these these losses this season where Patrick Beverly, you know, gets on the zoom camera and, and and essentially is like, what are your fucking questions? Get this over with. Right. Like that happens, but I'm not even talking about that. Just watching that. Like some of it is, is the stuff that I've witnessed at the games, but a lot of it's stuff that I'm seeing on TV. Like when they were on the road is even in the losses, just everybody, when there's a timeout and the camera catches them, just watch them. They're all talking to each other. And it's not that, and I think a clip might've came out last night or at least this morning uh, of Lou Williams talking to Zubats on the bench. And he was like, remember how you got here, stay hungry, stay greedy, you know? And like, and, but you see those conversations happening. Like even when guys were hurt, right. There'd be Patrick Beverly uh, when he was out recently he would still be in his warmups, A, because he said it was just easier to not have to go change after uh, the pregame warmups, but he'd be on the bench. And as soon as there's a timeout, he's running over to the huddle talking to everybody. And there's just this like, even in the losses, man, you see this team is together and they have each other's backs. And I, I'm probably going to reference this a thousand times this season, but that Reggie blunder in the game where Serge went and hugged him afterwards, like I really do think that that was a turning point for the Clippers like that single like that single moment 
where they could have been like, you fucked it up and it could have completely changed the way they played the last 10 seconds of that game but it didn't, it brought them closer together and we're seeing that product happen, right? Like the the jazz game, we're recording this on Saturday, last night, not the, not the prettiest win to be expected. There's a lot of rust, you know, with four starters coming back, but they still are sticking together even through the mistakes. Like, you know, it, we've heard them talk about accountability and all of that, but it's just, there's a vibe that didn't exist last year. And it's so much more cohesive than last year's team that like, you know, I, I still am a bit skeptical just because of what we've been through (laughs) with the Clippers, but I'm buying in a little more this year and it has to do with how they're responding to losses more Mm -hmm. than how they're winning. Yeah, no, I I hear you. And and it's not like they're perfect. You know, no team is perfect. Um, There are still, you know, moments of infighting that you can watch and people get frustrated with each other, but it doesn't really seem to take them totally out of a game, um, which I think is super important. And and we saw that definitely last year a couple of times. You know, I I thought the chemistry stuff was way overblown, but there were times where it's just like something bad would happen and then you would just watch it and you'd go, oh, fuck, they're going to roll over. And that doesn't really happen anymore. Um, obviously there are moments of slumped shoulders and Kawhi shuffling and Paul George shuffling and bitching and, you know, doing the things that they do. Um, they are true Clipper stars in that regard. Um, (laughs) but it, 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 there is, there is definitely a better feeling on the court that you can see, you know, everybody, like you said, coming together, you know, Kawhi with the coaching staff, it's really everybody except Pat Pat sitting 35 feet away from everybody else. Um, <laughs> but it's it's really, really great, you know, to watch. You know, even Fee. Fee is, you know, out of the rotation and 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 out of the Clippers' plans and all this other stuff. And he's, he's yelling on the bench. He's jumping up and down. He's clapping. You know, he's really engaged. And so, um, you know, even I tweeted about it and Lockshaw made fun of me. But, like, Luke last night, we'll get to this a little bit later, but Luke didn't play last night even though he was, quote, unquote, healthy. Um, right. But he was up, he was yelling, he was clapping, he was practically on the court um, a few times. And that that's really something that I, I like seeing um, and, and is definitely, I mean, there were times of that last year, but it, it's more consistent. It feels like, you know, and I mean, who wouldn't want to be clasped to Serge's bosom? I am positive that even after 48 minutes <laughs> of basketball, Serge smells incredible. Um, yeah, I can't argue with that at all. Uh, that, that might, that might be the not take of the episode. Yeah. Um, my, you literally just jogged my memory as you were saying all that, uh, like Luke last night and all that. One of my favorite moments, and it happened a couple times is, um, like just off the bench on the baseline, there's like, you know, you know, they, they have got those like screens all around the court now. Um, well last night, Jay scrub, uh, Daniel Oturu and um, it might have been was Fee there last night. There was another. It might have been. I don't think he's going. I think he's no. there all the time. I think he, he's okay. just on the roster. Yeah. So I think it was those three were leaning up against that, like in a row, right next to each other. And like whenever there was a timeout or any like downtime or something like that, Lou would always go over and he would lean on the other side of it and just talk with them. And I was just watching. I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like watching mm-hmm. Lou like kind of hold church with the young guys uh, a little bit. Um, and yeah, it's just there's there's that. And like 
you know, I it's funny because there's been rumors that Lou's unhappy, but I really think that Lou is is truly enjoying himself with this team and has like mm-hmm. taken on the role of like being the elder and like talking these young guys through everything. And I'm personally excited to see Jay Scrub finally play at some point. The boots off. He was wearing uh, Jordans last night. He he's gonna play either in the G League or somewhere at some point. I'm excited to see what he has to offer. Um, but anyways, we can move on. Okay, so um, we are going to. Going to listener questions now. Um, I have broken this down. Um, you guys gave us a lot of questions. Thank you. Um, I've broken this down. We're going to start with the more general questions that we can kind of, you know, go back and forth about. And then there's kind of groupings because people are concerned about the same things. Right. Um, and so uh, that's what we're going to get to. So the first question is from Clipper Spencer. Uh, and he says, the Clippers are finally all healthy. Our guys like uh, and guys like Morris and Lou have found their form. What is the next step you'd like the Clippers to take? Brian, I'm going to let you take this one first. Yeah, so for me, I mean, we've we've praised the offense nonstop. They've been amazing. I think they're they're number 2 right now just behind the Nets. Um, but their offense is great. There isn't too much there that I'm worried about. Um, for me, the next step is really bringing the defense all together because as we saw in the game against the Jazz and and we've seen a few times that uh this team can switch is very capable of switching everything, especially when they go small, uh, you know, when they have Morris at the five. Uh, but I just, I want to see them step it up a little bit. They're still middle of the pack right now. Uh, even, you know, and this last week doesn't help out when you're talking about the canoes. Um, right. so that's, that's going to be, you know, something else for them to bounce back from in terms of their, uh, season, uh, defensive rating, but it's defense. That's, that's the next step. I think once they really start to like hone in on that, Man, this team is going to be terrifying. I agree. I think I think that's a good one. Um, I think that it kind of is my answer too. Um, but I want to see two things um, that are real marks of like a contender. Um, and and one is I kind of want to see that run that they made at the end of February last year, where it was like eight games against some pretty good teams, and they were just smashing people now they've been really good this year as opposed to last year about smashing bad teams they will play a bad team and they will run them into the dirt um and that's great but i'd like to see a a prolonged stretch i don't know if the schedule is going to give it to us but i'd like to see something not like the jazz where it's like 19 to 20 but just give me like 10 in a row right give me something where you can look at it and you go that's when they put it together Okay, when in the schedule did they figure it out? Okay, it's right there. They won 10 games in a row and whatever, and they beat the Bucks and the Lakers and the Sixers all in that time. You know, there were bad teams in there too, but they they convincingly won those games. Um, yeah. That's like a long-term goal. Short-term, I just want to see them have one game where you where you are terrified by their potential, right? I think we feel that offensively a lot, but I feel like I want to see them do it on both ends like you're talking about yeah yeah it was that first half against the jazz yesterday was that for me i just wanted to see two more quarters of it you know what yeah. i mean yeah i hear you um okay so the next question is from gazpacho for all which is a platform i think everybody can get behind yeah, um, great name <laughs> what grade would you give the clippers ability to scout and develop young talent compared to other teams in the league brian uh, I, that, that's tough. It's tough because I'm not the, I don't watch college hoops. Um, so I don't find out about most guys until they're in the league. Um, and 
from what I can tell, there's definitely a talent to scouting, obviously, uh, and especially development. But a lot of like draft stuff is you're kind of taking a gamble, especially with where the Clippers have been drafting the last, you know, several years. Um, like outside of maybe top five, it, it's going to be somewhat of a gamble no matter what. Um, so it's tough. I do like, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I like what I'm starting to see from the development um, side of the coaching staff. I, I, you know, I love getting Kenny Atkinson for that reason alone. Uh, I think he's got a lot to do with this. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, like Ty says, a lot of coaching by committee. And I think that the development side is probably a bit of the same. And, you know, guys like Lou are helping out as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I and Pat, right? Man, man has yeah. been saying Pat is what got him to where he is. He keeps saying Patrick Beverly is the one who told me to go out there and play like a psychopath. So, like, uh, yeah, I, I like what they're doing right now. I In terms of compared to other teams, it's it's tough to tell. Uh I don't know. I it, when it comes to like young talent, I'm the fucking worst guy to talk to about that. What what are you seeing, Joseph? Well, glad you talked about about it for five minutes. Um, so I, <laughs> I think I'm I'm not an expert either. Well, it's been I real, think... folks. Have a great week. Thank you so much. Uh, I will see you all next week. I have no one else to bully, so you're gonna get all of it today. Um, so I think that the Clippers are, are not the hallmark franchise for finding and developing young talent. I think we, even this iteration, it's not great Uh, earlier. You know, uh, I think in the first pod we did about this season, I had a whole breakdown of like, just how bad it's been. Um, Some of that is doc and like his philosophy. Some of that is probably our scouting department and like what they're looking at and what they're thinking about. Um, And then, you know, the infrastructure stuff too, you know, about internal development coaches that are going to focus on that. This is our first year of really having that. So I don't really, it's like an incomplete, but Mm -hmm. so far, like this particular group has not been good. Like it's just not great. Um, And so D plus C minus, like it's really not good. Like we have one maybe rotation player that we've drafted in a long time. You know, we, we blew it with Reggie Bullock um, we drafted Bryce Johnson, who never played um, Diamond Stone. You just like if you run down the list of dudes that we brought in. Right. We were always given this promise of like, oh, they're going to be this project that's going to develop and they're going to fill the exact need that we have. And it never happened. So I'm hoping that that changes moving forward. But for now, it has not been good. It just hasn't been good. Um, so Clippers versus Health, a.k.a. Embalal35, asks... If you could add any former Clipper to this current roster, who would it be and why? Oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, For me, I think it would have to be. And I'm also saying this because he was my first favorite Clipper ever. uh, Ron Harper, because when Ron Harper went to Chicago, it I'm not saying that he was like the nail in the coffin, but he really brought something to that team. Uh, He always played like a dog on defense. Um, I just I'm a massive Ron Harper fan, and he's one of those like kind of hard nosed guys. And, you know, as much as like Marcus Morris can be that dude, I would love to see like one just total dick on the Clippers, like in terms of like playing on the court. You know what I mean? And so like I think Ron Harper would would be that guy. That's a good one. Um, I like that a lot. I would take. And this is going to kind of lead into our next sort of 
I would take first year with the Pistons, Blake Griffin. So if Blake Griffin could stay healthy, that's who I'd put on this team. And here's why. I love Serge Ibaka. I think, you know, he's been he's been good. The team has been better with him in the starting lineup than, you know, when Zoo has played with the starting lineup. Um but if you could take that like like that combination of playmaking and shooting, because that's I mean, we're really only playing Surge for his shooting. His defense has been fine, but not great. But if we could take that and just get it healthy, that Blake Griffin would make this Clippers team orgasmic. Um, his combination of passing, shooting, the ability to get to the basket and and do all that stuff. It would be so insane um, that I would probably be the happiest I've ever been in my whole life if that could happen. So <laughs> That's good. Um, that's that's who it would be. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's a good pick. That that truly is like the best iteration of uh, of Blake for sure. Yeah, that that bridge between the how he started that year before he got hurt, and then like after he came back, he was he was insane, and he mm-hmm. it was really bad that he was mired in Detroit doing it. So the next the next segment of listener questions are all about buyouts and trades. So uh, the first question is from Thomas Fenn, and he asks, if we are okay with the current Clippers roster, if the playoffs were to start tomorrow, and if not, what change would you like to see? Brian? Yeah, the current roster is good. For me, I would probably want to get like Terrence Mann and Amir Coffee a little more help. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I like where the team is at right now. Uh, yeah. There's almost, you know, like we have a whole section coming up after this. Uh, which is going to lend itself to the conversation of like an embarrassment of riches on the Clippers. And uh, I think right now the coaching staff is struggling to find minutes for all the guys that can contribute to this team. So yeah, I like what they have and um, you know, maybe I would improve on, you know, the backcourt defense in the second unit, but I mean, it's working right. And lose out shooting anybody that he can't defend. So I don't have too many complaints about it right now. I think that the team is as presently constructed when you get down to their eight guys has enough on both ends and really only one stark weakness defensively um, and one kind of weakness, but you know, is that's Ibaka. But other than that, I think that, that their eight guys can do it. So I am okay with it. The only problem is health, right? So if, if you were right. to put a gun to my head and say, Okay, the playoffs are starting tomorrow. How are you feeling? I'd be like, I feel really great, but I'd like to get an extra wing. Like, I, and that's that would just be my answer because I don't want my emergency wing to be Terrence Mann in the playoffs. So, right. um, that's it. We don't need big, splashy, whatever you know, big names and all that other stuff. Um, we just need a little emergency depth. You know, a veteran that's that's willing to not play but will be ready when the time comes, if the time comes. Sure. Um, so MC Ren, AKA, uh, what is he? A general, uh, he's like a Sergeant Brigader. He's a, but yeah, Batum Battalion, Sergeant General Brigader. He's he's got a lot of titles in there. Um, the man, the man's got stripes. Okay. The man's got stripes. That's all. (laughs) Shout out MC Ren. Um, (laughs) 80, not probably not the MC Ren, even though, I mean, if it is the MC Ren, please let us know. We'd love to have you on the show. Um, (laughs) Uh, he asks um, a, a two-parter, um, which is when can the contract buyouts occur? Um, and the answer is whenever the hell anybody wants. 
literally the first day of the season, you can buy somebody out if you want to. Typically, it happens after the trade deadline because it's dudes who are holding out to get traded who then negotiate, you know, in that window between when they're playoff eligible and when they're not. So it can happen anytime. He also asks, um, how much money do you think or hope Fee and Pat would agree to lose in a buyout if they were to get bought out? Um, and who would you like to, to pick up with the money? So well, they're not getting bought out. Neither of them are getting bought out. Pat Pat's Paul George's best friend and Fee, they're going to try to trade him. That's If they're going to try to free up money, that's what they're going to do. They're going to try to trade him. They're not going to waive him. Neither of those guys is getting waived um, because it still counts against the cap and it doesn't really help you with like the hard cap and all that other stuff. So um, who would you like to see picked up on a buyout if you had to pick up a guy on a buyout, Brian? Well, I guess this this lends itself to Seth's question. Oh, yeah. This right? is also Seth's question. Um, any, Seth any buyout asked, guys? Go ahead. You were reading it. Uh, uh, any buyout guys, your eyes especially on. Um, the the fee and pat pat thing, you're right. Buying them out doesn't help your cap space, so it doesn't help with anything. If you're going to get rid of those guys, it's going to be to create roster spots. Um, yeah. And neither of those guys are leaving money on the table. There, There's no incentive for them to be like, let me do you a solid Clippers and give you some money back. There's just no fucking way. Um Buyout guys, I honestly, I don't know what the buyout market completely looks like. I don't know if anybody mm-hmm. like truly has their like kind of finger on the pulse there. Uh, you know, Blake Griffin is obviously the splashiest name right now in, in terms of that, which would be a massive buyout and would have to, he would have to leave a lot of money on the table for that to happen. Um, you know, I one name that is always kind of sticking around my head right now, but I'm losing faith in them, but maybe it's just a bad situation uh, would be PJ Tucker uh, just because, Mm -hmm. you know, a a little, you know, toughness in the playoffs, uh, some more corner shooting. Um, I mean, if, if that happened, the Clippers would have the two best corner three point shooters in the league uh, with him and and Batum. I almost called him battalion. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Rondé Hollis Jefferson still considered. He's, he's not buyout. He's just a no, waiver. Yeah, he's just a free yeah, agent. A free yeah, agent. yeah. Uh, and I think that he is. It, you know, uh, you you put that seed in my head, and and it's it's definitely growing into a plant, like a full plant right now. And I think I'm on board with getting Rondé Hollis Jefferson on the Clippers, uh, just for that veteran reason. Um, but yeah, I I think I saw something right before we pressed record that uh, I think Demarcus Cousins. Is... Yeah, Boogie Boogie got bought out. Wow. Yeah. 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 I mean, but he doesn't he doesn't solve any problems, right? The Clippers the Clippers no, need depth I... in in their bigs and in their wings, and that's it. Yeah, and a big so. guy with those injuries scares the shit out of me. So I wouldn't touch that with a ten foot pole. But uh, yeah, I, I, do you have your eye on anybody? Um, I mean, I think Dwayne Dedman's still out there in terms of like bigs, um, which. If he's willing, you know, he's sat this long, but if he's willing to just like be an emergency, if someone goes down, yeah. you know, like Joakim Noah, if someone goes down, you're going to get minutes. If not, you're not. Um, other than that, Rondé Hollis Jefferson, um, in terms of buyout guys, I think that it's, it's really two. It's like Trevor Ariza and PJ Tucker. Um, if they're, you know, PJ, I think would get a little bit more um, playing time. And I think Trevor Ariza might be one of the, cause he hasn't even reported. So if Trevor Ariza gets bought out, which I don't think because Presti doesn't do that, but like if he gets bought out, I think he'd be worth, hey, are you willing to be our emergency wing? 
And if he says yes, then, you know, it'd be great. So, sure. um, so Carlos Acero asked about the buyouts and trades and stuff. Trade-wise, I really don't want to make a move. I'm going to be honest with you. There's nothing out there that really makes any sense in terms of what we'd have to give up versus what we'd get back. Um, but he also asked about the Blake Griffin situation. So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit sure. just because he's my favorite Clipper ever. Um, so how do you feel about the Blake thing? It's two categories. It's what does your heart want and what do you think actually makes sense, right? Because right. I think every Clipper fan would love to see Blake Griffin back on the Clippers. Um, you know, I, I think the only way it makes basketball sense is if the idea behind getting Blake Griffin on the team, which, by the way, would not happen through trade to make that happen with a trade like Paul George would have to be involved. That's how fucking big his contract is. Um, yeah, dude. And I mean, that, that's, that's not that's gonna fair trade, right? Fair trade off. We get Blake Griffin, they get Paul George. Totally <laughs> yeah. fair, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so it would have to be a buyout situation. Uh, a, I don't think Blake Griffin is is giddy to be back with the Clippers. I still think that there's some bad blood there. Um, you know, I think he he holds on to that grudge a little bit. Um, but in terms of like the Clippers wanting him, the basketball sense would be literally just keeping him away from competitors. Uh, and that would kind of be it. Like you you sign him so that he doesn't get on the Lakers. Or you sign him so that he doesn't become a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Because those are the two teams, I think, that if there is a buyout, will snatch him up immediately. I think the Lakers are probably the best fit for him, uh, especially because they just lost a power forward uh, to an injury. And so, um, yeah, that's that, that's really it. I love Blake Griffin. If there was an opportunity for him to win a ring with the Clippers, it would be amazing to see that happen. I just don't think it's likely at all. I think the the hardest part is I want him, obviously. The stats are so bad. They're so, so bad. He clearly isn't right. Um, and, and so the only theoretical way that it, it makes any sense is, hey, come back, rehab for two, three months, and then show us what you got basically, you know, before the playoffs start. And if you if you win the job, you can be our starting five or something like that. And if and if you don't, we're going to use you kind of here and there. But the problem is, is he's going to demand not only for his like stature, but just his talent level, he's going to demand more minutes than we can give him. Um, and so unless, you know, something crazy happens, there's no real minutes for him on the Clippers. And like getting Blake Griffin is great, but like getting Blake Griffin to have him sit with Pat Pat 35 feet away from the rest of the team doesn't really make any sense. Um, yeah. And so would I want him? Yes. If he if he came, would I be overjoyed? Of course. But then, it, you know, there's there's hard questions there that need to be answered. Um, so it, I, I just don't think he's going to be willing to to do the wait and see game that the Clippers are going to need him to, to do. Um, yeah. And that's the hardest part. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm still trying to find a path to get uh, Jerome Robinson back on the team. But anyways, what other questions do we have? For Never speak to me again. OK, so the next section <laughs> um, is about a guy that Clipper Nation thinks is like Jerome Robinson. But I think everybody else feels is not. So um, we got a a couple questions about his availability yesterday on Friday. One is from friend of the show, Robert Flom. He asked, how long do you think Luke will remain out of the rotation? Um, and then not Rigby asked, in your opinion, what's the reason Kennard was out of the rotation? Um, he had knee soreness. I think he was active. 
but not available. I think that they activated him. I don't know if there's rules with COVID about who can be where and who can do what, Um, but he was activated, and I think they're just going to give him some time to feel 100%. And so if he's going to come out of the the warm-ups and go, I'm not 100%, I'm 95, they're just going to be like, okay, we're just going to wait. We're going to wait for you to be ready. Um, And so I I don't think he's out of the rotation. I don't think Terrace Mann has actually taken his spot. No, it's a fun thing to say, but there's no way. I think you're right. I think that they are taking their time getting them completely healthy because they can, because that's mm-hmm. the roster that they have is that they can afford to be like, dude, you need a few extra days off. Go for it, man. So, yeah, I, I think that there's a place for them. You know, obviously the the confidence is an issue. Pump fake dribble pass is an issue. Um, but the team obviously is seeing something that they believe in, uh, you know, back to the point I was making in my not take, this team is really rally around everybody. And I think that they're rallying around him. And I think that we will see him kind of break out of it and, and get more comfortable in the system. So, um, speaking of Matt Chonger, um, asked, where do we stand on the back end of the guard rotation? And, and, and in terms of like minutes distri- distribution, uh, Terrence getting a bump, Luke's minutes taking a step back, um, so how do you, how do you feel about the guards in general? And like, how would you kind of like to see it shake out moving forward? Yeah, it's, it's tough because we have those no, 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 no. Yes. Reggie games. Right. And Reggie has, I, I think we have to admit that Reggie's like made a case for him having a place in the rotation. Uh, his shooting has been that good. Uh, and he even was hitting some of those like running floaters against Utah. Um, and so, it's tough. I don't consider man really part of the guard rotation. I'm okay if he plays minutes at the two, but I think he's most effective at the three, um, which is, you know, I can deal with a three, um, not taking perimeter shots more than I can deal with a two not taking perimeter shots. Um, so it's, it's tough because the, it, it, I really think it's going to be matchup it's a matchup. Like it, it depends on who they're playing. And like, we, you know, we've been promised the Clippers, you know, all of this, like, you know, rotating lineup stuff. I think that that's where you're going to see the rotating lineup is with guard play. And, um, you know, when you've got three, four guards that can't defend that well, but can get hot and shoot on any given night, I think it's going to come down to kind of like seeing what you got, see who's got the hot hand and you ride with it. I think that's especially true come playoff time. I think the team will will kind of. I think Lou has his spot. Lou is number one. Lou's at the top. But if Lou doesn't have it, okay, maybe Reggie has a little bit. Okay, Reggie doesn't have it. Does Luke have it? Okay, Lou. They're going to try to sort of mm-hmm. fold in those three guys to fill one role. And I think that that's something that I actually kind of feel good about. Like I feel bad in terms of like confidence and stuff like that. But I I, I feel like having those three guys that can kind of fill a similar role um, will we'll give the Clippers more flexibility of like, okay, Lou doesn't have it. Where last year, they, you know, when Lou didn't have it, it was like, uh, uh, who do we turn to? Um, and so I think that they can go like, okay, Luke, get out there. And you're going to do what Lou does because that's like the thing that you also do. And so um, I, think, I think it's going to be okay. I, just whoever's hot, I think they should write him. And that's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. Um, so we're moving on. Uh, Sri, uh, Gutham asks, it feels like our offense is too reliant on jump shots. Uh, we can't stop runs, uh, or offensive dry spells. If threes don't fall, 
Um, there's little to no transition game. Is our only option to rely on Kawhi's ISO shot making? Um, or should Ty put emphasis on trusting the system? He also notes here that PG has been bad in ISO the last few years. Um, PG's been actually really good in isolations this year. Um, he's of the 20 players who are running at least three ISOs a game. Uh, PG has the seventh highest points per possession. It's over one. I think it's like 1.1 or something like that, which is actually pretty good. Um, And he has the fifth highest effective field goal percentage out of isolations and the ninth highest score frequency. Um, So he's he's been effective. Kawhi has struggled, um, but that's also like his superpower. And so I'm assuming that that's going to come back. So um, I, I disagree with the premise that we're too reliant on threes. I actually don't think that we shoot enough threes. And I also think that, like we've talked about, Ty is, is shaping this in terms of like a penetrate to to bend the defense to your will and find open shots. If the Clippers are finding open shots, take them. They're worth more. And if you're wide open and you've got a team full of guys who can shoot at least 38%, that's a good shot. Take it. Um, and I think that I have trust in both Kawhi and Paul George and Lou Williams to do something different when the shot shots are not falling. So that, that's my feeling on it. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that other than the fact that Lou recently said that they still haven't run everything out yet. That it's, you know, he's getting the team kind of acclimated to the basic, simple, foundational stuff that he wants to do. But they haven't really kind of extended everything that they want to do on the court, Um, you know, on the offensive end. I think there's some defensive schemes that they haven't really um, kind of run out. And so. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've said this a few times on the show. It's, it's a second year team going through first year growing pains. And so I think we just got to be a little patient with it. Um, but in the end, I think that it's all leading to good stuff. Uh, I'm with you, Joseph. I want them taking more threes, but I want them taking threes the right way with the ball movement and not these like, uh, you know, panic because your penetration like dribble didn't work. And you're like, oh, okay, there's three seconds left. Let me see if Reggie can throw something in the air real quick. Like I don't want those, but when they're moving the ball on the perimeter, they are doing more like dribble handoff stuff, like guard to guard. Uh, they're doing more like wing for wing pick and roll stuff. Like they they're you can see them experimenting. Um, and so, yeah, I think that there's more to come and, you know, it, it, when when they've run what they can, de facto is ISO because they've got really good ISO players on this team. Right. Um, I agree with that. I agree with everything you said. Uh, so Danny H asks, what do you think the reason is this year's team keeps blowing leads at the end of games? The two common denominators from the past two seasons are Kawhi and PG. Isn't one of them, uh, is it one of them that doesn't transmit a sense of urgency in close games? Wow. I just, I can't speak right now. Uh, a sense of urgency to close games, I don't think it's Ty Lue. Uh, Danny, I reject your premise. Um, last year, the Clippers were excellent in clutch time, uh, in clutch time offensively. Uh, they had the third highest offensive rating. Uh, they struggled defensively, but that's because they were playing Montrezl Harrell 19 minutes in a row. Um, and this year's sample size is too small. I, I, they're not blowing games all the time, like leads all the time. It's the NBA. Um, and it's the advent of the three-point line. And I retweeted this thing, but 15.5% of 15-point leads in games this year have have gone away at some point in the game. 15%. And that's up from like eight or something at the beginning of the, 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 the turn of the century. And so the game has changed. 20-point leads at the beginning of a game doesn't really mean anything. Um Basically, if it's in the first quarter, I I immediately assume that it's going to go away by the third quarter. 
and it usually does. If it's in the second quarter, I, I assume it's going to be gone at some point too. Third quarter, you're like, okay, all right, maybe they're going to keep this one and, and blow a team out. And fourth quarter is really when it's bad. And so if, you, if you're going to hold the team accountable for, for losing 20-point leads from like the six-minute mark of the first quarter, you've, you've probably got to readjust how you're watching basketball in today's game. Because if, if guys can hit threes, you hit you know five threes, that's 15 points. That's five possessions. It takes five times down the floor to erase a 15-point lead. Um, where, you know, in, in 1987, it took 15 possessions to get 15 points. So, you know, you just got to, you got to recalibrate <laughs> the classic one point shot of 1987. Yeah, dude. I mean, they would all, it was, everybody got punched in the face and then you'd go to the line and no one could shoot. So you'd only make half of them. That's how it works. <laughs> yeah. I have nothing to add to that. I, uh, the leads mean nothing in the modern NBA. Um, and the Clippers this season haven't played a ton of close games on either end. And so they, they, there's no sample size for, you know, clutch time, which is within yeah. five points with five minutes or less left on the game clock. They, they've they played 30 total minutes in clutch time, quote unquote, this season. Um, and they've only had three games end within three points of each other. We're past 30 games. So, one in 10 games is ending within three points of each other. So yeah, um, just give them some time. Let's, let's see what happens. Um, okay. So let's, let's move on to our next sort of tie segment. Um, and this is going to be a positive. We're going to end on a positive. I think uh, our buddy Leo, uh, Leo Saldana asks, uh, what is the biggest takeaway you've seen with Ty being the coach over the previous head coach? He who shall, who, whatever, you know what I was trying to say. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. He who shall not be able to be said appropriately correctly on the show. I'm really struggling. Um, <laughs> um, biggest takeaway with Ty um, and, you know, specifically over, um, you know, the last head coach is adjustments and analytics. Um, Ty very clearly works closely with the analytics department, uh, with the Clippers. He talks about advanced numbers when he's talking to the media, which is amazing it's a it's a you know breath of fresh air um he is not stubborn he's willing to listen um in fact you know he i, I think he prides himself on on trusting the people that are around him and listening to, to what they have to say and what they have to offer dan craig has kind of been with them his whole career to kind of keep him honest and he's you know very upfront about that um and larry drew you mean larry drew i'm sorry did i say dan craig yeah you said dan craig larry drew um and you know, uh, we this last week isn't the best example of it, but the third quarter Clippers is Ty Lu. Ty Lu's watching two quarters of basketball, going into the the locker room at halftime and going, "Okay, this is what I saw. This is what we're doing well. These are the adjustments we're going to make to the things that we're not doing well." And the Clippers come out and they make those adjustments, and it catches teams off guards, um, off guards, off guard. Sometimes their guards are caught off. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's the adjustments. That's the biggest thing. And his willingness to be, um, to be, I guess, humbled by somebody else on the staff and being like, okay, you're saying something I'm not saying. Let's run with it. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing is that just like overall game to game adjustments. I think also, and this is just, I, I've only been in, in one guy's pressers, but like there's an honesty and openness uh, of very much like, not, I don't want to say like, he's a humble like lunch pail, whatever he's going to work and he's going to, you know, but it's like, 
there there's something about him that feels super open, um, open to questions, open to you know changes and all that other stuff. I, I I don't feel like he thinks his way is a hundred percent the right way, and right. that's the only thing that can be right. Um, we know from reporting, from personal experience from our eyeballs. That was not the case last year. There was a particular way that they wanted to win. Um, and if it wasn't going to happen, well, then it's somebody else's fault. Um, and so he has a number of times I've said it on here, taking responsibility for something, taking, you know, saying that's my fault that that didn't work well. It's, you know, he said things like, he even said one time, it's, it's our responsibility to make sure that the guys are energized. In you know in an early morning game and it was like I don't think we would ever hear that at another time and and yep. the only other thing um, that I really want to talk about that I've talked about before um, actually happens to coincide with another listener question um, from Alfredo Rodriguez he asks uh, he says lately that he's noticed the Clippers behavior uh, no technicals no flagrants no ejections. Um, Past Clipper seasons under Doc and all of the Sterling era, there was a lot of turmoil. Under Lou, the Clippers are disciplined, mature, and mindful. Um, he is he 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 suggests that the the Clippers are becoming the new Spurs, um, and he talks about how Tyloo has has learned from Phil Jackson, Doc Rivers, um, and he feels like he's a little bit more of like a Greg Popovich. He asked us to kind of compare those three. I, I think Lou's his own guy. Um, I think he obviously pulled from everybody, but he 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 he. He has a, a connectedness to the players that is different from those guys, I think, because he has played and he has played recently. Um, and so there, there is really, truly a channel of communication, not just between the coaches, like you were talking about, but he said, I think in his introductory press conference or something like that, like, I'm going to listen to when the players come to me and tell me something's not working. Um, and, and that level of rapport and, 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 and connection is really important. Um, mm-hmm. So I, do you have anything to add to the to like the rapport part? No, no. I I think that you know his his uh, humility is what makes him such a great coach, and I think he is an amalgam of all those guys. Yeah. Um. You know, I think that there's some uh, uh, what Steve Clifford in him. Yeah. Uh. You know, I think he's picked up there. I think that there there are things that you can see that he's picked up from everybody. And I kind of think he assembled the the coaching staff that he did to learn more from those guys. Like, not like these are the guys that are going to fall in line with me, but I think he was like, hey, you know, I think Chauncey, uh, you know, he's he's got a pretty modern game. He was in the league not that long ago. He's really close with the players. Like, there's some stuff I can learn from him. You know, Kenny Atkinson, really good at developing young talent. Like, there's some stuff I could pick up from him. Like, I think he did it for personal growth as much as he did it for the team's overall success. And I think that Ty is constantly trying to learn things. And I think that's why he likes Justin Russo so much is Justin Russo asks him those coach questions and he's like excited to talk about it because he never stops learning the game. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, And I think that, you know, him being an amalgam, I think he's kind of distilled all of like the best parts of it in terms of, you know, uh, adapting your style to whoever is, you know, on your team, which is something that Greg Popovich, you know, has done. Um, I think that the Phil Jackson kind of steely demeanor on, you know, the bench and not getting too high or too low. But I think that he's taken that and gone kind of like to a different level. I feel like, you know, Phil would do things where, you know, 
he wouldn't call a timeout so that they would learn through something or, you know, he wouldn't get too high or too low as like a, not a punishment, but like, you know, an indifference. It was like an indifference. Whereas mm-hmm. I mentioned this on the pod, but the biggest difference between last year and this year is Ty isn't screaming at the players when they come off the floor. I haven't seen him do it once. I haven't been there, so maybe it's happened, but I haven't seen him do it once. It always feels like a peer-to-peer interaction and not an authority to, you know, their their charge interaction. Um, and, and I think that that's really important. And I think that it's kind of unlocked the Clippers in the way that we're seeing changing culture, the change and all that other stuff. It, it feels like he, is, he has fostered that environment of inclusivity instead of, you know, imposing his will to make them cohesive. He's allowing them to come to each other um, and also to him. And, and that's allowing a little bit more of a collaborative space um, that I think is really great. Um, I love that I'm not watching my coach yell at his guys all the time. So it's, it's a nice change of pace. Yeah. I just want to say real quick to the point about like the Clippers, like historically being a whiny team, it's the modern NBA. Everybody's a whiny team. Um, you know, the Clippers just happen to have the quietest superstar of all time uh, leading them. But yeah, every team complains. Every team is shocked by every foul call. You know, I think it starts with AAU basketball and it continues through, you know, these guys careers from there. And so I, I don't think it's it's totally fair to throw that just on the Clippers. Um Everybody does it. it. It's obnoxious for sure. And the Clippers have been really good about it. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a game at some point this season where he does the Popovich thing where the team just doesn't doesn't have it. They're kind of playing like lackluster and Ty's like, fuck it. I'm going to go buck wild and get ejected from this game to try to light a fire under my guys because that's like the the pop move, right? The classic pop move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he's going to have the same picture that pop had earlier in the season where he was screaming into his mask. He was beat red and he was like 15 feet off the floor. (laughs) Um, I'd like to see him recreate that. Um, Okay. So are you ready to, to go to bring it home? Let's do it, man. So let's, let's do our track of the week. What's your track of the week? So my track of the week um, actually comes kind of via uh, Garrett Corpenning, a friend of the show. So him and I have been kind of trading music back and forth. Uh, for the last few weeks, uh, I found out he's a big synthesizer, synth pop guy. Uh, and so we've kind of just been like sending tracks back and forth. And um, through that, I discovered this band and I hit him up and I was like, dude, have you heard of this band? He's like fucking one of my favorites. Love them. But they're called Still Corners. Um, and the song is called The Trip. It's like a six minute track. Um, it's kind of psychedelic, but not like obnoxiously psychedelic. It's just kind of like repetitive and chill enough that like you can let your mind wander a little bit. The vocalist, she's got an amazing voice. It's really calming. It's like the kind of song you could like crack a beer and like listen to and just kind of zone out or, you know, smoke some weed or whatever, whatever your vice is and like let the song just kind of bring you down after like a rough day. And it's a super calming, um, but like really like, when you focus on it, it's a super interesting composition to the song. But yeah, the still corners the trip. Been loving that song. I'll have to check it out. Uh, you, you're gonna have to send me that so I can listen yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, my my track of the week is from Kendrick Lamar. Um, it is Untitled Two from his Untitled Unmastered tape, which is a really awesome tape. I'd really like for him to go back and master it instead of just releasing it the way that he did because it's so good. 
Untitled Unmastered is like, it's not talked about enough. Like, I feel like he released that and people are like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not, not, you know, Mad Mad City, you know, like whatever. It's such a good EP. It's so good. And I feel like it doesn't get enough love. I don't understand how they got cut from, from the Pimp a Butterfly. I don't know how they got cut. There is some, there is some tracks in there that are so, so there are some of my favorite Kendrick Lamar tracks. Yeah. And I just can't get over the fact that he got SZA to sing for two and a half minutes that head is the answer. That's what I'm trying to figure out. How did he convince SZA? Okay, we're well, going to come in here and we're going to record this thing real quick. What are the lyrics? Don't worry about that. Okay, just read what's on the, read what's on the sheet. Um, it's so, so good. It's so, so good. Yeah. Um, I don't anyway, want him to master it. I like how raw it is, dude. I guess I was just, I was listening to it on headphones, like good headphones. Mm-hmm. And and the, the bass tracks are a little not tinny but like there's there's like it's like a i guess tinny is the best way to put it in terms of like you know what i'm talking about it's like they're not it's flat. warm yeah. yeah it's flat um and so i just want to and you know a couple of them you can hear it's like a uh just a reference track like it's not the actual beat that was supposed to go with it i just mm-hmm. want to know what it was going to be that's all i want to know it's like just give me <laughs> give me that answer um anyway so that's that's it thank you guys for listening brian do yeah you to, do you want to do your spiel yeah, I do. Uh, I I just want to say, Joseph, it was fun doing a gruesome twosome episode, man. It's been a while. Oh, wait a second. What are we fucking doing? We have an announcement to make. <laughs> right. <laughs> you take this one. <laughs> we were supposed to do this. Uh, and um, okay. So as some of you guys know, um, we had a sponsor on the show. We had some other sponsors reach out. Um, after doing the sponsor for a little bit, we felt super uncomfortable with it. We decided it wasn't really the the vibe that we wanted the show to have. Um, we're not really big on on having ads in the show. We don't want to splice them in. Um, it just doesn't feel like us. Um, and so we really like sort of what we've created here. We'd like to keep it the way that we have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're going to do is we are going to start a Patreon. And before you start panicking about having to pay for the podcast, the podcast is still going to be free. You can still get the podcast anywhere you get them now for free if, if you if you can't do it. We're going to ask for $2 a month um, on the Patreon. If you can give it to us, that would be great. It'll it'll keep the show going. Um, basically, we're coming out of pocket right now to do the show. Um, it's not an exorbitant amount of money, but it's still money out of you know our pockets every month. Um, and so if, if you can sign up for the Patreon, um, it would be great. We would really appreciate it. Just $2 a month. Think about it as you're giving each of us, what, 25 cents an episode, um, yeah. which is, you know, a just about minimum wage. So thank you so much uh, <laughs> for for that. Um, and I don't know, Brian, did you want to add anything? Yeah, I just like I I mean, on a personal level and Joseph, I think you're with me. There's too many fucking advertisements in our lives like uh, my good friend SLC, you know, told me recently, he was like, dude, from the moment you wake up, start counting how long it is before you come across an ad just in your everyday life. Um, And so it's the last thing we want to do with the show. Um, But we do want to make this sustainable. uh, And we you know, I. I'm big on community. I think that uh, we've kind of been welcomed into this really amazing community of Clippers fans. Um, It's one of the reasons why I love watching the Clippers, uh, you know, forever is that there's always been a community among Clippers fans, whether it be through misery or not. Um, And so we kind of want to keep that vibe going and take the PBS route and just be fully listener supported. 
Um, you know, I, I understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic and not everybody has the means and all of that. And so we're going to keep offering the show for free. We're not taking right. it away from anybody. The last thing I want to do is strong arm anybody into giving us money. It's the last thing I want. Just want to make this thing sustainable. And, and, you know, if we get enough subscribers, like paid subscribers, then maybe there will be bonus content for paid subscribers. Maybe we do a second episode every week or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like you said, right now we're, we're operating in a deficit to keep this show going. And I'll, right. I will run myself into the fucking ground. I love doing this. It doesn't matter. I love doing the show every single week. Um, I look forward to, to recording, I look forward to getting the guests on meeting all these amazing people. Um, and all the support that we get is overwhelming. And so, yeah, we just, we want this shit. This shit is for Clippers fans by Clippers fans. And that's how right. we want to keep running it. Um, so yeah, we will have a Patreon link up soon, um, with all of that. I don't want to. I don't want to carrot and stick you guys. I don't. I don't want to do that. But if if we do get enough support, there are things that we've talked about. You know, for the people who do sign up, that'll be you know little things. You know, we've thought about maybe merch if you know we get there, or even just like a little tchotchke, something that we can send you that you can feel like you're a part of, sort of our our community. Um, you know, to give to give back to you guys for for helping support us because the support we've gotten on this podcast is is frankly unwarranted like we don't we don't deserve you guys listening <laughs> yeah. to the show um but Absolutely. we really appreciate it uh that you do so there's something that i i'd like to send to the subscribers that do sign up um brian and i are going to have to figure that out how logistically that works but um we're going to have the link up if you can give two bucks a month that'd be great um i know that some of you when we when we floated this a while ago asked about like an annual option um patreon's still in beta for that so like if we can do it we'll try to do it yeah. Um, but if they don't have it offered, um, just know that once it's available, we will try to give people who give us, you know, a whole year, a discount. So, um, we really hope that you guys, you know, enjoy the show and, and, and want to support us. And if not, like Brian said, we don't want to take this away from you. We don't, we don't want to do anything yeah. that makes it to where you can't listen. So it'll be free, you know, if, if you can't help. But um, we'd appreciate it if you did. Just so you know, I'm going to edit in like Sarah McLaughlin softly playing in the background as we do this whole fucking spiel. Please. Just 25 please cents an episode can really help Brian and Joseph keep the podcast going. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for all the support. Um, you know, we'll get the Patreon up soon. Wherever you're listening to us right now, uh, hit subscribe so you can stay up to date with every single episode that we release, uh, which will always be free. Uh, and, um, you know, if you're listening to us on Apple podcasts, hit us with a five-star rating, give us a uh, written review. We've gotten a couple in the last couple of weeks. Appreciate y'all for doing that. Shout, you shout out to everybody that's helping us out there. Cause it really does help us, uh, with visibility helps people find the show. Um, and then yeah, send the shit to your friends, tell your dad, Hey man, you're fucking up your life. Not listening to Clipset podcast. <laughs> Mom's going to leave you if you don't start listening to this shit and just start, you know, bullying your friends and family into, into listening to us talk about this uh, team that we love so much every week. Bully, bully them like I bully all of our guests. Um, yeah. Use that as a template. And if you don't, Donald, Donald Sterling, Sterling wins. wins. That's right. <laughs> <laughs>